Welcome to the FaithBridge Sermon Podcast. Be sure to keep watching immediately after the sermon for Postscript, a weekly podcast with in-depth content and answers to your questions submitted during the sermon. You can also find it on iTunes or at faithbridge.org slash postscript. Well, good morning. Welcome to FaithBridge. So good to see all of you, whether you're on the Klein campus in the Woodlands or coming to us online. We're glad that you have chosen to worship with us. Today, we're going to be looking at a passage in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 11. If you want to go ahead and turn your Bibles and put your finger there as a placeholder, we'll get to that shortly. If you need a Bible, just raise your hand. The ushers are coming down the aisle. They'll be glad to give you one, and that can be yours to keep. Please accept that as a gift from Faithbridge to you. Matthew, chapter 11. Now, before we jump into the message, let's uh, take a moment and pray together. Father, we are immensely grateful for the privilege and the freedom to gather here without fear, without any hindrance at all, to lift up the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, and to worship in the power and presence of your Holy Spirit. We think of our brothers and sisters around the globe who do not have that privilege and pray, oh God, you would sustain them in their faithful witness. We're grateful for the many gifts that you've given to FaithBridge and the many opportunities we have to serve you. And we pray that you would find us faithful, faithful stewards of all that you have given to us. Pray now that as we turn to your word, your Holy Spirit would be our teacher and guide us into all truth. We offer our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, throughout the month of January, we have been kicking off the new year by resolving for more, as the, the video pointed out. Specifically, we are resolving for more in our spiritual lives. We don't want to settle. We want to be a people who are continually growing and moving forward in our discipleship. And Pastor Ken challenged us to resolve for more by Returning to the basics, going back to the time-honored, time-tested spiritual disciplines that for centuries have blessed the lives of Christ followers, have strengthened them, have equipped them to be the men and women that God was calling them to be. We've talked about daily prayer and a daily time in the Word of God. We've talked about developing a generous heart. And then last week, Luann brought us uh, just a great message on how community can undergird all of that, bring us encouragement and support as we seek to practice the disciplines. And I have to say, uh, the response to the challenge has really been encouraging. It's been fun for those of us on staff to have conversations with any number of people who have stepped up and said, you know what, I'm going to do it. I I am going to make this a significant part of my life, and you're incorporating those disciplines into your daily life. To those of you who've taken the challenge, I say congratulations. Now, today we're going to circle back around and we're going to revisit the topic of prayer. And the reason we're going to do that is because uh, in the scheme of things, on an annual basis anyway, February is sort of the month of the wall, People who've made uh, commitments to get physically active or to begin eating right or to begin practicing the spiritual disciplines discover that it's long about February that the enthusiasm is waning a little bit, the reality of the work that's involved starts to sink in, and it would be so easy to give up at this point. But we don't want that to happen. We not only want to help you get started, we want you to stay on track. And some of you are discovering Uh, a fundamental truth about prayer, daily prayer for sure, and that is it's hard work. It is not an easy thing to do at all. Now, on the face of it, that seems sort of odd in that prayer is essentially talking to God, and most of us like to talk, but for some reason, making that a daily part of our conversation with God can prove to be quite challenging. Any number of reasons for that. Number one, we are 
material beings, fleshly beings, and prayer is spiritual work. And anytime the material and the spiritual intersect, there's going to be resistance. There's going to be pushback, a certain amount of inertia that needs to be overcome. And not only are we material beings, but we are sinful material beings. The inclination of our heart is not to run toward God, but really to run away from Him. Our sin and our shame and our guilt are continually pulling us in another direction. That can make a prayer life a difficult thing to do. And then, of course, there's the enemy of our souls who understands better than we do the power and effectiveness of prayer. So he's not about to roll over and allow a church full of folks to become prayer warriors. He's going to do all that he can to prevent that. So there's any number of challenges working against us, tempting us just to quit. There's one other obstacle I want to talk about this morning, though, that I think is more prevalent and more powerful than any of those I've mentioned thus far. And it's like this. We forget, or maybe we never knew in the first place, that prayer is first and foremost the cultivation of a relationship. It's not just talking for the sake of talking. No, it is, it is God's desire that we enter into a very personal relationship with Him, where we know Him and we are known by Him. It is a growing sort of thing, just like we grow in our relationships with our spouses and children and friends and so forth. There's just one problem with that, though, and that is relationships are challenging. All relationships, spouse, children, parents, siblings, friends, coworkers, all relationships present difficulties for us. And I think the reason why relationships are so challenging can be summed up in a single word, and that word is baggage. Baggage. Throughout our lives, we accumulate, we collect to ourselves stuff. I'm not talking about material stuff. I'm talking about spiritual, relational, emotional stuff that weighs us down and that gets in the way of relationships with other people and with God. It certainly has the capacity to impact our relationship with God, to impact our prayer life. And the baggage that we carry around, you could say, exists on a, a, a continuum of sorts. On the one end, there is that baggage that might be described as an annoyance. It's not devastating our life, but it's there, and it's bothersome, and it's just enough to bring us to the point where we really don't want to pray. Because when we begin to pray, all this stuff is there, and it would just be easier to get on with the day and focus on other things. And so this sort of baggage plays its role in moving us away from God. But then on the other end of the continuum, there is a different kind of baggage. And it's far more than an annoyance. It can be painful, filled with shame and hard memories and difficult times. And it can even be so painful at times that um, as far as prayer is concerned, it's not simply that we don't want to pray. In some instances, we can't. Sometimes the pain is so severe that getting quiet, not interested. Because the moment I silence myself, things are going to start to bubble up. Things I don't want to think about. Things I don't want to remember. And yet they are there can make praying almost impossible. Several weeks ago, uh, my wife Becky and I were moving a piece of furniture upstairs in our home. Now, the stairwell in our home uh, does not have a banister. It's drywall. Up. But on the right side, there is a, a handrail connected to the, the drywall. So we're, we're moving this piece of furniture, and I'm, I'm going up first, walking backward, and I completely forgot about the existence of this handrail until it impaled my lower left back. And let me tell you, from the moment of contact, 
I lost all ability to breathe or speak, either one. I mean, I could not utter an intelligible word. I'm just sort of strangling out these groans. And meanwhile, Becky's on the other end saying, what, what, what is it? What's wrong? What's wrong? And I'm, can't, had to let the pain subside a little bit before I could finally say, I tried to kill myself just now. (laughs) Well, sometimes our baggage can be just that painful to the point where it's just plain hard to talk, talk to other people and talk to God. So we want to talk about that some this morning. Again, the last thing we want is for your prayer life to get derailed. And so we've got to talk about the things that can get it off track. You know, Jesus was completely aware of the reality of baggage. I mean, you won't find that word anywhere in scripture, but Jesus understood our brokenness. He understood our propensity to hurt one another, to create situations, painful situations in our lives. Uh, The topic of baggage was no mystery to Jesus. And I have to think... His understanding of that topic is one of the reasons, maybe not the only reason, but one of the reasons why he spoke the words that we find in Matthew 11, beginning at verse 28, 11, 28. He said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Not only was Jesus perfectly aware of the reality of baggage, the things that weigh us down, the things that literally burden us, that make it difficult to move from one day to the next. Not only was he aware of those things, but he steps forward and says, bring them to me. That's why I'm here. I understand that you have this stuff. Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Jesus is extending an opportunity, an invitation to us, if you will, to unload what is making life and relationships so difficult. So we want to talk a little bit about How does that happen? How how do we hand those things to Jesus? But before we do that, I think we need to understand a little bit more about exactly what this baggage stuff is. Simply put, baggage is composed of lies. Lies that we come to believe about ourselves, about others, and about God. And those lies begin to shape our perspective, our viewpoint, our understanding of life. And the net result, of course, is that our viewpoint, our perspective is skewed. If we've bought into a lie, an untruth, then there's no way we're going to see life as it really is. And that's going to render relationships Very, very difficult because if you bring two people together and both of them have a skewed understanding, there's no way they're going to connect in terms of the truth. It impacts our relationship with God. Now, he certainly has a clear understanding of what life is all about. He's got truth down pat, but it only takes one to mess up a relationship. And if our understanding of him or other people or even ourselves is off, it's going to be difficult to relate to him in a healthy way, in a way that he desires, in a way that facilitates and draws us toward growth. I had a conversation with a lady, oh, I'm going to say five or six years ago. Uh, We didn't use the word baggage, but that's essentially what we were talking about. She said to me, Dan, my earliest memory is not a, a life experience. It's, it's not something somebody said. Really, it's, I would call it more of an impression. First thing that I can recall, and the impression was basically this, you're not good enough. You're not good enough. 
She said, nobody ever told me those words, but from the time I was little, I just sort of intuited that message that I, I'm not good enough. I, I'm not worthy of unconditional love. If I cleaned my room, it should have been cleaner. If I brought home straight A's, well, they should have been all A pluses. If I made the basketball team, well, I should have been a starter. And on and on and on it went all through my childhood and my growing up years. And it was slowly twisting me and shaping me to believe a lie, the lie that I wasn't good enough, not worthy of anyone's unconditional love, and that surely I would be a failure. As much as she wanted to leave all of that stuff at home, it went with her right on into adulthood, as it always does. And she recounted to me very sadly how many opportunities in life she missed out on. She denied herself because she was convinced not good enough. I was intrigued when she began to talk about how it impacted her spiritual life, her prayer life in particular. She said, Dan, I woke up one morning and I got my cup of coffee and my Bible and I went to the place where I have my quiet time and I began to pray. And a few minutes into it, here comes an unbidden thought. Well, nothing so unusual about that. All of us get distracted. And the thought was not a particularly harmful thought at that either. She thought to herself, I'm having lunch today with my girlfriends. And if it had stopped right there, that would have been okay. But it didn't. Because the thought, I'm having lunch with my girlfriends, led to the thought, what am I going to wear? Which then led to the thought, oh, I don't have anything to wear. And the reason I don't have anything to wear is because I'm overweight. But none of my girlfriends are. They're all fit and skinny and cute and they wear cute clothes. Why me? God, why am I not good enough? It's so unfair. And as you can imagine, that was the end of the prayer time. You see that progression there? This message is communicated to her when she's small and it stays with her and it grows and impacts life all along, even to the point of impacting her daily walk with God. But by no means is this woman unique. No, we all share in her plight. Every one of us are carrying baggage. Doesn't all look the same, doesn't all feel the same, but we've all got it. No two ways about that. Yours may not be uh, as excruciatingly painful. Yours may not be as distracting. But we've all got something. That's why Jesus said, come to me. Come to me. I, I can do something about this if you will just come to me. No conditions here. No payment necessary. Just recognize that you have something and come to me and be willing to give it to me. I can do something about it. Some of you might be thinking, well, okay, good and fine for the lady who uh, wasn't good enough. But Dan, you don't, you don't understand my stuff. You don't know how bad it really is. Well, I'm sure I don't. But I'm equally sure that I share in your plight as well. The ongoing issue for me throughout my life has been dealing with my anger. No one ever said to me, don't be angry. No one ever said to me, anger is a bad thing. But somewhere along the way, I picked up the message, being angry is wrong. It is bad. Now, that doesn't mean I didn't get angry. As a child, sure, I had the range of emotions. But the message was, don't be angry. So what am I going to do with this anger that I've got? Well, the only option I could think of was to beat up my little brother. <laughs> Not a good choice. We've since reconciled. <laughs> well, when you grow older and move out of your parents' house, you can't keep beating people up. 
So I had to develop a new tactic for dealing with my anger, and that was to stuff. Stuff, stuff, stuff. And, you know, you can only stuff the stuff for so long. And eventually, it's going to come out. And mine would come out at the most unfortunate times, like a hand grenade blowing up all over the people that I loved, all over me. And do you think I wanted to pray in those moments? Do you think that was the time I wanted to drop to my knees and have fellowship with God? Not a chance. I wanted to run from God. My heart so filled with shame and guilt that I could behave that way. I suspect there's all types of baggage here today. All types of lies that we're believing. There's as many of them out there as there are people. And maybe it's not your anger, maybe it's not being good enough. But some of us here decided um, the truth is this. The truth is, I can't feel good about myself from the inside out. Peace isn't going to be found on the inside. No, I've, I've got to put something in my body to feel good. I've got to self-medicate. So we turn to food. Or we smoke a joint. Or we take a drink. And we feel better. And we tell ourselves, see there, it worked. Or maybe we don't take something into our mouth. Maybe we take something in through our eyes. And we have to look at pornography in order to calm that restless voice that we really can't even identify. Or maybe we consume people. Maybe we go through relationship after relationship after relationship because we don't have peace on the inside. We've bought the lie. It doesn't come from here. No, it comes from out there somewhere. Or maybe your baggage is uh, the lie that you can't trust anybody. No one. Because you couldn't trust your parents. Dad left. Or mom and dad divorced. Or a coach or a teacher or a pastor or someone who was supposed to be trustworthy was not. And you decided then and there, I'm not going to let my heart open again. I won't subject myself to that kind of pain. And you put it in a shell. And you've never opened it up again. And if you look over your shoulder, there's a string of broken relationships testifying to your unwillingness to open up your heart. Or maybe you don't have any idea what your baggage is. Maybe it's something you haven't wanted to think about, but you can't deny that in your quieter moments, there is this sense of unrest, this churning in your heart that leaves you feeling uncomfortable and instead of dealing with it, instead of talking about it, instead of discovering it, let's, uh, let's just go shopping. Let's just go play golf. And maybe it'll go away. Well, guess what? It doesn't go away. It accumulates like lint. And until the day comes that we are willing to deal with it, it won't go anywhere. I understand that there are people here today who would say to me, good and fine for you, Pastor Dan. I'm glad that Jesus helped you deal with your anger. Good and fine for your lady friend who wasn't good enough. But listen, you don't know the dark places I have been. You don't know the things that were done to me. You don't know the pain I've endured. And I am not about to go to Jesus because I know that I know that I know if I did, he would turn and run the other way any sensible person would. One of my most favorite stories in the Bible is found in uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. It's told three times. You know, when the, when the Bible says something twice, you want to clue in. If it says something three times, you want to take notes. It's the story of a leper. And you may be aware that in, uh, in that day, leprosy was one of the most dreaded diseases. For a lot of reasons. Number one, there's no cure. 
Nothing could be done about it. You would just have to suffer as you watched your fingers and your toes and your face be obliterated by this horrible disease. It was looked at as a sign of judgment. If you had leprosy, then obviously you had gotten on God's bad side and you had received a worthy judgment. But worst of all was becoming an outcast from your family, from your community. People wanted nothing to do with you. They did not want to get near you. In fact, if you were a leper and you went in public, you had to shout, unclean, so that everyone knew to give you a wide berth. One day, Jesus and his disciples were walking in a public place, and a leper walked right up to him. Incredibly bold thing to do, but he walked right up to Jesus. And I can only imagine that the disciples were backing up in a hurry. But Jesus didn't move. And the leper said, Lord, if you want to, you can make me clean. And you know what Jesus said? I want to. I want to. He didn't turn and run. He didn't say, come back another day. No, to the horror of his disciples and those all around, he reached out and he touched this leper. And Jesus proved himself to be as good as his word. He took that burden. He made that man clean. Three of the most beautiful words in all of the Bible I want to. Do you know that's how Jesus feels about you? Do you believe that? Do you understand that when he says, come to me, he's talking to you and no one is excluded? Come to me, all who are weary and burdened. He doesn't say, come to me, Those of you who've got manageable issues, (laughs) come to me, those of you that can afford it. No, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. I think that's a truth we need to live with for a while, don't you? I think you would agree that we're taking this uh, resolve for more idea very seriously here at Faith Bridge. This, this is not a game that we're playing. We really do want you to grow in your relationship with Jesus. We want you to practice these disciplines, not simply for the sake of having something to do, but so that you might come to know Jesus in a way you never have before, so that you might become the man or the woman that he created you to be. We're taking it seriously. Pastor Ken devoted an entire message to prayer, brought out his little glider here and taught us how to pray. He devoted an entire message on reading the Bible, sat down in his glider and taught us how to read the Bible. He talked to us about the importance of a generous heart and taught us the 10-10-80 principle. Very practical applications on how these things can be done. Well, we want to be just as practical in helping you deal with your baggage. Now, baggage isn't the kind of thing that we can deal with from the stage on a glider But I am happy, I am so happy to let you know that we are launching a new ministry here at Faith Bridge that is aimed right at baggage. It's what it's all about, Kairos Freedom Ministries. Earlier this week, Pastor Ken had an opportunity to sit down with one of our worship leaders who went through Kairos at another church. And I would love for you to hear his testimony. Take a look at the screens. Roger, when we were talking uh, a while back, you said an interesting thing and you illustrated with yourself. There's a problem and you gave it, gave it a name. And you called it 
managing sin. Right. A lot of Christians get together and all we do is we just manage our sin. Right. So I confess, you confess, we confess. So let's pray that we just won't do those things anymore. And good luck. See you next week. Right. So that's where I found myself of like, I love God so much. I know he has a calling on my life for ministry. I'm seeing him bear fruit out of that. At the same time, I'm managing sin. Um, I'm on my own. And now I'm talking to other people about it, but we have no power to help each other. Hmm. It's just like, yeah, we all stink. We're brave enough to admit it. Yeah, we're being real. Right. That's good. But we're not getting anywhere out of it. Yeah, right. and, and, and sin's claws are just sinking deeper and deeper. Mm-hmm. We're like, surely there's a way out. Yeah. So where it came for me mm-hmm. is that the effects of sin, and, and to be honest, you know, it's it, lust, pride, anger. Uh, those were the three things that I was losing the battle of managing. It was managing me more than managing I was managing it. it. Yeah, sure. I knew there had to be an answer. And so I just kind of put everything on hold. Hmm. Uh, I'm not not interested in in doing more ministry Mm -hmm. while the inside of my heart is rotting out. So because until we get to the bottom of it, we are forced to be pretenders. Right. And I think all of us live in that tension of like who we know God wants us to be. Sure. And then who we really are. Yeah. And then Satan lies to us too and says, you're actually worse than you think you are. Mm. God's called me to worship leading at this point in my life in sure. this season, and it has been. That's a very visible and public platform. And so whenever my private life wasn't lining up, that, t- mm. that tension was terrible mm. um, because I knew what I should be. I would imagine that... The, uh, but you talk about it, that it made you want to pull away from people for fear of being uh, exposed. If I'm scared of being found out, I'm going to very deliberately steer the conversation, my relationships in, into a place where I feel like it's, it's safe and no one's going to find out who I really am. Superficial. Right. That whole effort is exhausting. It is. Trying to navigate your relationships in a way where they don't find out the real you. Mm-hmm. And in my life, it came to a point where the sin wasn't just affecting me. Yeah. It was affecting other people. Mm-hmm. And uh, the fallout was destructive. And I'm like, you know what? I'm, I'm stopping here. Something's yeah. got to give. So a year ago or so, you're backstage. I'm backstage. We're catching up. What's been going on? How's marriage? babies, all that stuff. But you mentioned uh, a ministry that provided a way out, a door out of this cycle that so many Christians get caught in, the Kairos ministry. Talk about Kairos ministry. Kairos is discovering God's heart for me and for you to be free from sin and to walk in a powerful, uh, life-giving, loving way through life. Uh, free from the burdens of guilt, shame, wounds, all that kind of stuff. And how it's done is so simple. It's by applying Scripture, the promises of God, to our life and praying through that. Yeah. And it sounds like uh, it's a ministry that really focuses on the Lord being your counselor. Right. So I went through counseling. I think biblical counseling is very beneficial. Um, What I enjoyed about this specifically is I didn't have to kind of vomit my own story and dredge up all my bad things about myself to anybody. Hmm. But I was just there, and the Lord brought up the things that he wanted to deal with. Hmm. We didn't have to talk about it. He already knows them all. He he already (laughs) knew it all, and all he wanted to do is provide a doorway out. Out. I mentioned to you that I had throughout my life been struggling with lust, with pride, with anger. Yeah. And I went into that knowing that I wanted to deal with that and hoping that God would free me from those things. Yeah. And on the other side of it, I felt so free uh, and knew I was free because God's word had been applied to it and his Holy Spirit had shown me some really key things about how to, how to walk forward out of that. 
And to use the, the metaphor of the, the toolbox, uh, from what you described, yeah. they loaded your toolbox with some tools you didn't have. Right. That you can keep accessing. And they give you principles from the Bible yeah. of like, hey, here's the problem. Here's what the Bible says about it. Mm -hmm. And now right there where you're sitting, you can apply God's power through his, of his word on your life. Yeah. Just like, you know, the prayer of salvation is so simple. Yeah. But yet it works, and it's a miracle. Yeah, yeah. And so we just apply that those words of God, and the mm -hmm. Holy Spirit's there prompting us with specific things in our life um, to use those principles that He gives us in the Word to, uh, to help us out. I think a ministry like Kairos mm -hmm. is a must for every believer. Amen. Just like your car needs to tune up every mm -hmm. once in a while, we need to tune up spiritually. Mm -hmm. And you may not even know the tools that are out there yeah. to help you. Yeah. You know, one of, the, one of the, the quotes that I've heard at Kairos is, did Jesus save me from my sin? Hmm. Or did, is death gonna save me from my sin? That's the thing that the enemy wants us to believe is that we're actually real and entangled in our sin forever yeah. until we die. Yeah. It's not true. This is a life-giving uh, event. I walked out feeling like 100 pounds lighter and there were about 300 other people that attended the same event. I didn't know any of them. I didn't talk to them. Hmm. It was just me and God and them and God. But we walked out. I knew this is an army of changed people. Right. And yes, it takes time and, and mo it's emotional. Sure. But you walk out having a, a different and greater picture of God, mm -hmm. a true picture of yourself, mm. and you feel a pack of burdens taken off sure. you that you didn't even know existed. Mm -hmm. I think that we get used to carrying around burdens and wounds and we just think that that's part of us. And the devil loves piling on that. Oh yeah. And convincing us it could only ever be this way. Right. Nothing could be further from the truth. Right. You come out stronger, lighter, healthier. I know that the enemy is out to steal, kill and destroy. Sure. And he, he plays the long game. Mm. And we have something difficult happen, and sometimes we want to deal with it, and he'll say, it's not that big of a deal. Sweep it under the rug. Uh, and so we do. You know, we think... Manage, we think Managing sin again. Right. We think time heals all wounds. It doesn't. Mm. Those wounds just get managing deeper hurts, roots. Managing sins. Right. And so that's where uh, the Lord is so good to say, you know what, even though the enemy has a strategy... He's got the trump card, and, and the enemy can't overcome the power of God and his ability to free us. Amen. Amen. Isn't that a great testimony? I'm very excited. Yeah. So Kairos Freedom Ministry is coming to FaithBridge. Uh, we're going to launch next Sunday, February 12, at 5 p.m. right here at the church. We'll go for four consecutive Sundays, and uh, any and all are welcome to come. It, uh, it wouldn't surprise me if some of you are thinking to yourself, well, you know, Pastor Dan, it's uh, one thing for Jesus to say, come to me and I'll give you rest. It's another thing for him to do it. What assurance can I have that he will, that he wants to, that he can? And in response to that question, uh, we thought it was entirely appropriate to gather at the Lord's table today. The Lord's Supper is a sacrament, a sacred moment in which we remember and celebrate the fact that Jesus allowed his body to be broken and his blood to be spilled. And he did those things in order to relieve us of the greatest single burden we will ever carry. And that is the need to secure our own salvation. The Bible is clear. Each and every one of us have walked away from God, the source of life, and stepped into death. And there was nothing we could do to get back. We had burned that bridge. But in his mercy... God came to us in the person of his son, Jesus. And he did something none of us could ever do. He lived a life of sinless perfection. And then in his mercy, he turns to each one of us and says, I'm going to take the penalty that you deserve. And I'm going to die in your place. But death won't keep me down. 
for I will conquer and step into life. And if you want to come with me, you can. That's the greatest miracle humanity will ever know. If Jesus can lift from us the burden of our sin, our lostness, our eternal separation from God, I have no doubt he can take from us whatever baggage we've managed to accumulate. Here at Faith Bridge, we celebrate the Lord's Supper using the method of intinction. You'll come forward as the ushers lead. Take one of the gluten-free crackers and dip it in the grape juice. Once you have partaken, you are invited to stay and pray. If that is a need of yours, we have prayer partners who will come and join you. If you'd like, you can return back to your seat. We'll ask that everyone remain in a spirit and attitude of worship. It's my hope, of course, that many of you will come and participate in Kairos. But let me hasten to add this. You don't have to wait a week to meet with Jesus and begin to get rid of your baggage. He's here today waiting for you. And so I would encourage you to use this time at his table as a time to begin taking him at his word and bringing to him whatever has weighed you down. Will you pray with me, please? Father, we confess to you that we carry baggage you never wanted us to carry. Some of it's our fault and some of it isn't, but it's there. And our attempts to do something with it have proven vain. But nothing that you do is vain or worthless. It always has meaning and purpose and hope. And so I pray for myself and I pray for all of my brothers and sisters here as we come to your table and are reminded once again of the great lengths you will go so that we might have fellowship with you. I pray that the time around your table would be a healing, restoring time. that your presence would manifest itself in hope. Thank you for your body and thank you for your blood and thank you for the mercy that comes to us because you so willingly gave them up for us. We offer our prayer in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. Welcome to Postscript. Here we hope to answer your questions and help you dig deeper into the messages and sermons at FaithBridge by talking with the teacher of the day. Hi, and welcome to Postscript. I'm Louie Riley, Grow Group and Discipleship Director, and I'm here with Pastor Dan, who just brought a message about prayer baggage. Welcome, Pastor Dan. Thanks. Um, so we're still in the resolve for more, mm -hmm. and we've talked a lot about reading the Bible. We've talked about prayer. We've talked yep. about generosity and doing these things in community. Mm -hmm. And today you talked about a challenge that many of us face um, sure. when we go to pray um, it is a relationship with God, and we can find out that sometimes there's some healing that needs to happen yeah. in that relationship. Um, and so I'm just going to ask a few questions uh, that came in around that. The first one, though, is about prayer. Um, you, you gave us a great illustration of the woman who began to pray, and the thought popped into her head. Mm -hmm. And that's very common. Sure. Um, so what techniques can we use to help with prayer and devotions from being sidetracked by these distracting thoughts? Yeah. Well, I would go back to the suggestion that Pastor Ken made in his sermon on prayer, uh, keeping a pad right nearby or uh, post-it notes. And whenever a thought comes in that isn't supposed to be there, just take a moment and write it down. And there's something about getting it down on paper that sort of cleanses it from the mind and you can get right back. Um, another technique that I have used is I... Um, give myself three or four minutes just to kind of decompress before mm -hmm. I really start focused praying. And 
I find that very helpful to just kind of clear my mind of whatever has happened in the day or whatever is coming up. And then I can turn my full attention to, mm -hmm. to God. I, I found those two to be the most helpful. That's good. That's good. Um, and so we, you talked about praying um, and asking God for help and healing with your baggage. And this, this question says, um, I've prayed for years for God to take away some of my baggage and he never has. Um, how can he want to if it hasn't happened? Sure, yeah. Well, not an uncommon question when we mm -hmm. talk about things like this. Um, there are several ways I can answer this question. The, the first thing that I should say is, I don't have access to the full mind of God. So I cannot completely speak for him as to why he does or does not do certain things. After all, he is God. But leaving that aside, um, I think there are several factors involved here. First of all, um, sometimes what we perceive to be baggage is actually something God is using mm to sanctify us, to conform us to the image of His Son. And while it may be very painful and not very much fun, there is a purpose in it. I'm thinking about Paul, who mm. prayed fervently several times, Lord, please take this thorn out of my flesh. We don't know what it was, but it was something difficult. And God said, no, you know, my grace is sufficient for you. Mm. And so I think in some instances, he concludes in his wisdom, um, you need this for my purposes, or I'm going to allow it to stay for my purposes. Now, whether that is the case with this individual, I can't say with certainty. That's not a blanket principle. That tends to be a very specific sort mm -hmm. of thing. Um, I think sometimes, too, when we ask God for something and the answer that we want is not forthcoming, uh, sometimes we have to examine our own motives. Wh wh why am I asking for this? What is it that I really want from God? I'm not questioning this person's motives because I don't know them. But I know that in my life, I have asked God for things. And at the end of the day, it was all about me. It wasn't about glorifying Him or furthering His purposes. It was getting what, what I want. I think one ultimately has to conclude, though, that... The God of the Bible is sovereign, and sometimes He chooses to act, and sometimes He does not. That does not diminish any of the pain involved, but it does give us an opportunity to exercise our faith and to trust that if He says no, well, then He's doing something maybe that I can't see. That's good. Um, so tell me, what... Uh... What is the role of counseling when you're dealing with baggage? And should someone seek out a counselor? And when do they know right. that they should seek out counseling? Well, I, I am absolutely an advocate of, of counseling. Uh, I've received a lot and I've, I've given a lot. And I see that it can be tremendously helpful. So I, I would absolutely promote that. I think the time you know that you need counseling is when you can't deal with whatever you've got. If, if, if you're not coming up with the answer, go find someone who perhaps can. If, mm -hmm. if my car breaks down, I know nothing about cars. I'm not going to waste my time fooling around with it. I'm going to go to a mechanic. In a similar fashion, if you're bumping up against something that's bigger than you, let's find someone to talk to. And, and, and we can certainly do that. Mm -hmm. uh, Beth Ellis and myself uh, can either work with you or after a couple of sessions, if healing is still needed, then we have some great people to reference out to. That's great. Um, what was the other part of the question? Um, when do I, you ask when oh, okay. do I need to go? Okay. And so that answers yeah. the question. Okay. Um, and so let's talk a little bit about the Kairos Freedom Ministry. Yeah. Tell me um, what it is. Is it like counseling? Um, how does it work? Why, right. why would I want to do it? And if I did want to do it, what am I doing? Right. <laughs> Okay, it, it is not a, a one-to-one uh, comparison to counseling. You, mm -hmm. you're, you're not going to go in and sit down with someone and spill all your stuff to anyone. I would sum it up this way. 
uh, it enables a person to get in touch with the truth of the Word of God that can speak directly into the lies that I mentioned in my sermon, can speak directly to those lies so as to set a person free. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not just information, but it is the application of that word through the power of the Holy Spirit. Prayer is very much a part of it. Kairos uh, has two components. To begin with, there are four preparatory sessions, you might call them, where we cover the fundamental truths that we will be talking about, a person's identity and Christ, the power of the word, the power of prayer, things of that nature. And then we have, for lack of a better term, the Kairos event. And that is an opportunity for individuals to come. And just as Roger said on the video, it's pretty much between you and God. I mean, you're guided in prayer and uh, there is structure to the prayer time and the worship Mm -hmm. time, but it's pretty much just you and the Lord dealing with whatever He's bringing to the surface in a uh, controlled, focused, safe environment. That's great. And so there are, um, is that staff members that are teaching or our prayer partners? How, uh, how does well, this ministry work? A, a little of both. Okay. Uh, I, I will be teaching mm-hmm. uh, at least one of the four classes, maybe two. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also uh, Tanya Van Dong and another staff person is yeah, teaching. for prayer. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, also we have some lay people who are going to be teaching the classes as well sharing out of their own experience, their own lives. So it, it's a mix and of staff and it's a series. And I would come to all four. All four. You come yeah. to all four classes. Yeah. It, okay. It's not required, but mm-hmm. I think you'd get the maximum impact if, if you came to all four. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then we are hoping uh, next fall to be able to offer the event. Okay. Uh, and between now and then, we will offer this series of classes two or three times mm-hmm. at least. Uh, getting ready uh, for that Kairos event. It's exciting. I'm I can't wait to, to see what God yeah. does through this ministry. Yeah, me so too. Thank you for your message today sure. and look forward to hearing the stories of how God works through this. Thanks. All right, and thank you for joining us here at Postscript. We'll see you back here next week. Thanks for joining us for Postscript. Help us keep the podcast interactive by submitting your questions during the morning services. Learn more at faithbridge.org slash postscript.